You know, where God is, there is power. There is power to salvation. It only comes through Jesus. The work that he did at the cross, it only comes through him. There is power for healing this morning. We had prayer this morning for those that are sick and hurting, those that have things, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> that are going on in their lives, the things that we face inside of our minds and inside of our spirits. There is healing from the Lord Jesus this morning. The Holy Ghost, He wants to minister to each and every one of us this morning. Do you believe? He wants to do that. He wants to minister. Our God is just waiting for the moment. What did we learn last week? You get out of here a little early when you start talking. I did what he told me, and I ain't going to hold you responsible for remembering. That's what he does. What did we learn last week? The long, awkward moment of silence. Did we talk about a fellow by the name of Jacob? Has something to do with a ladder and angels ascending and descending and they descend, descend and descend in Jesus? Jesus is that ladder. You remember that part? <clears throat> we remember that he was having some issues in his life. We remember that his name alone means that he is a, a con man. He's a liar. He was a cheater. He was a deceiver. That's who he was. And we learned last week that God loved him. We learned last week that the reason God did something in his life, not because of who he was, God did something in his life because he loved him and saw what he could make of him. He didn't have to get cleaned up to get saved. Thank you, sweetie. I don't know what in the world happened this morning. It must have been them frogs we had for breakfast. <clears throat> we didn't have frogs for breakfast, y'all know. Oh, boy, that's good. Oh. That is who Jacob was. And didn't he go on to say that God is going to be his God? Didn't he name a place there, call it Bethel? Y'all remember that. I'm just trying to refresh your memories a little bit this morning. <clears throat> he talked about that. This morning, we're going to talk about another part of his life. And friends, I'm going to tell you now, if you don't want to go there, it's going to make us face ourselves. We're in a day and age today, time is getting short. We're going to talk about a fight that you don't want to win. Can I say that again? A fight that you do not want to win. We're taught in America you're to be a winner, right? You are who you are based on your successes in life. Am I right or wrong? I'm not talking about what the church says. I'm talking about it in general. It shouldn't be in the church. If it's in the church, God just now spoke to you. And you got to let him work, and you don't want to win that fight. You understand? We're taught in America that we're to be the best that we can be. We're taught that we want to win. Play hard. You want to win. We want to do all these. If we go to war, we want to be winning. Many times when we go to war with each other, we want to be winning. 
because that's what's been put in us. But I'm telling you this morning, this message and what God's doing, there's a fight that's going to happen in your life, and it will happen every day of your life that you do not want to win. Because if you win it, you're Lord, and he ain't. Can I say that again? If you win it, you're Lord, and he ain't. We're going to talk about sanctification this morning. A lifelong process. Last week was about salvation. You want to be saved and you want to put your trust in Jesus, he will save you. No matter where you've been, no matter what your life has had in the past, what people know or what people don't know. I shared things with you last week about me. Now most preachers ain't going to do that because it's going to hurt the people that's following. I don't care because my story now is his story. Amen. Anybody else can testify to that? You don't walk where you used to walk. Maybe there's some places you walk and you don't need to walk, but you know what? The sanctifying power of the Holy Ghost will take you through that. The Word of God will take us through that. And that's what we have to hang on to. We've got to believe in that. And this is a battle that we don't want to win. Jacob is, he, he, he's a cheater. And we found that. And folks, can I tell you this morning, there's a little Jacob in all of us. Can I get an amen this morning? We don't want to submit. We don't want to submit. I'm not casting stones at no one, but I appreciate the ones that had the fortitude to come forward and stand in this line this morning. Like I said, it wasn't planned. But a united body stands together, not apart. Chew on that one for a bit, eh? Jesus is coming back for a bride that's made herself ready. Am I correct on that? A bride that has done what? Made herself ready. That means we've got to let the Holy Ghost have his way. Otherwise, that's the battle I'm talking about. That's the battle between the flesh and the spirit. And he comes to sanctify us. He gives us his word so that we can be sanctified. We're cleansed by the washing of the word, right? We've got to have the Word coming in. That Word keeps coming in. That Word keeps challenging us. That Word keeps us looking and seeing what God sees. And that Word will help us to see where God's wanting to take us. Do you understand that? We're not here for just 70 or 85 years. Uh, Sister Murphy, she's here for 85. She might make it to 100 if time lasts. I honestly don't think she's going to make it to 100, not because she's going to die. I think Jesus is coming back soon. The separations are happening, folks. Have you looked around? The separations are happening. He sent his angels, and they're here right now, and, 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 and the Holy Ghost is getting up in our face. Time is getting near. It's like the, it's like the, the conductor at the train station. All aboard! Ain't that what he says? That's the final call. The train is pulling out. If you're in there getting a cup of coffee or you'd rather sit there and eat that steak or that, that donut or whatever it is that's going on that's keeping you from getting on the, play, on the train when the conductor yells out and says, all aboard, he's telling you the train is pulling out. If you don't get on the train, you get left behind. Do you understand what I'm talking about this morning? 
I understand that it's not good to, it's not popular to, to make us face ourselves, but that's exactly what the Word of God does. And it, be, it behooves me, it, it bewilders me to understand how we have gotten away from wanting to have good practical preaching and teaching that will help us to change our lives. Rather, we want to not go there. We don't want to hear that. We want to go here or there to hear whatever we want to hear. Why don't we want the Word of God in our lives? It is a battle you do not want to win because the train will leave without you. Do you understand what I'm talking about, brothers and sisters? We are in the last days. We got a work to do. I'm going to see a show of hands this morning. I'm going to put you on the spot. You remember we started back in December praying and fasting for what? Before we ever started the international prayer and fasting. Revival. Are you still, by show of your hands, praying and fasting for revival? Be honest, because God knows. And that is why we don't see it. This is not to beat anyone up. We need revival. You remember when the, when the virgins, there were ten of them, right? Some were ready and some weren't when the bridegroom came. Why were some ready and some weren't? They were making themselves ready. They were filled with the Spirit. They were keeping everything working. We got equipment, right? We got cars. Don't we get them worked on? If we don't get it worked on, it's going to cost us. You pay $30,000 for a vehicle now, and <coughs> you don't have to do a whole lot of work. I ain't put grease pins on them anymore. That's part of the greed, but that's a whole other message so that we can't work on it ourselves. But what we can work on, yeah, you got to keep it greased, you got to keep it serviced, you got to do all this. It's the same thing for our spirit. Is Jesus coming back for a church that's not ready? No. Those virgins didn't get a go because they weren't ready. They had to go out and they were about the business of themselves rather than about the business of the Lord. Are you going to be there when he comes? I can preach revival. As a matter of fact, I can set dates aside for two weeks from now and say we're going to be in here for three weeks having revival and just start calling Brother Murphy and different ones to see if they'll preach. But that won't make it happen. We can pray. We can search. We can pour our hearts out to God for the message that's going to make the difference. But if you do not want revival, it ain't coming. It's not anything at all what I had in my notes. But I asked him this morning to help me. You see, sometimes we're going through circumstances in our lives. Anybody going through circumstances in your life right now that you ain't comfortable with, you ain't liking it? Life's been changed drastically. Maybe it is something physical in us. Sometimes these things come because God is there and he's getting our attention. Not always. It doesn't always mean because something bad's going on in our life. It's not that he's just bringing calamity on us, but sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. We can sit and talk about the news. I could have all of you clapping right now, and I'm going to do it right now. I will not teach and preach that homosexuality is okay. I will not teach and preach that it's okay to abort babies. I will not do that. Now you're being stubborn. Because every other time I've ever touched that, we'll stand to our feet and we will clap.
Do you understand what I'm talking about this morning? We need to have the Spirit of God in our house. We need to have Him working in our house. Right here. Right here. My salvation, my destination got, ain't got nothing to do with sweetie. I love this woman to death. I pray we're going to be in heaven together. I believe we're going to be. But my salvation got nothing to do with her. My baby's salvation got nothing to do with us. Our salvation has to do with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we got a personal relationship with us, he's going to come in. He's going to do some house cleaning. He loves us. Yes, he's patient, but don't take patience as it's his acceptance. Okay? And he is going to work on us. We're, we don't want to win certain battles in our life. So let's go ahead and look at, look at, look at uh, Jacob here. You see, God will put us in places sometimes, folks, that will bring stuff out of us we didn't even know was there. Can I get a witness in the house on that one? Huh? He will take us to some places of things we didn't even know was there. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Jacob had left on bad circumstances. You remember that? He stole his brother's birthright. He lied. His mama helped him. His daddy was blind, couldn't see. He wanted the birthright, so he went out, got himself all hairy, put, put, put skins on him to be hairy, brought him some deer meat to eat. Because his daddy liked the deer meat. He was, you know, he was a sensual man. He, 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 he liked to feed the flesh. And so they lied to him so he could get the birthright. Now, for 20 years, this dude's been out here running from his brother Esau. And Esau, he ain't no better example. He's about himself, too. That's why they were at odds with one another. Boy, that would preach, wouldn't it? Are we at odds with anybody today? Get it fixed if you're not, and it can happen today. It can happen today right here at this altar. It can happen today, but it's going to take submission to the ways of God. He's not going to change his ways. It's going to take that submission. But he put him there to this place. And, 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 and so Jacob is now going to this place to meet his brother Esau. You see, all of us should have enough sense to know that we cannot be totally right with God if we're not right with our brother. Brother Eddie, you can't be totally right with God if you ain't right with your sister sitting right there beside you. Even though both of you are sitting in church saying amens. Brother Murphy, you can't be totally right with God if you and Eddie ain't getting to a place of being right. Uh-huh. Move on across. Move on across. Let's move on across the house. Pick on somebody else today. Sister Marion, you can't be totally right with God if you ain't right with your son sitting there with you. Danny, you're the praise and worship leader. You can't be totally right with God if you got at odds with somebody in this church today. Pastor, you can't be totally right with God if you're holding things against people. Now, that's a bad place, ain't it, for the preacher to be. 
Friends, it's happening. It ain't happening to me. I'm trying that it's not happening with me. If, I, if you've got a problem with me, let's sit down and talk it out, do what Jesus said today before you leave here so we can make it right. Otherwise, revival's not coming. Otherwise, I'm going to preach and you ain't even going to listen. Amen? So, God takes us to this place that we can do this. Let's go to Genesis 32 and 1. And Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. And he called the name of the place Mahananam. Did you see that? He had a vision about two, two or three chapters ago and saw angels on a ladder going to and from heaven. He's getting ready to meet up with his brother. And he's seeing angels now. These, do you know there's angels here right now protecting this church and protecting us? Did you know that? They're the ministering agents of the Lord. We don't worship angels. I don't want you to get you on that, on that track. But they are here to minister to us, and they're here now. And I can tell you something else. We can't see it, but there are demons of the devil that would love to get in here. Maybe he sat on somebody's back and walked in here, but the ministering agents, I want you to get this picture in your mind. Sweetie, I'm going to use you as an example, and don't beat me up. Let's say she walked in here today, and there's this little demon sitting on her right now. He's been bothering her and been bothering her. He got to come in because she came in. And he has absolutely no power except what she gives him. He has no power except what we, the church, will give him. But just in case, this guy, he's probably about this big. You know, a bird gets under your saddle ain't real big. It bothers you. It'll bother your horse. It'll bother you. It'll affect you. But I want you to know there's angels right now standing around her telling that demon he don't get to have his way. And I mean, they're big guys. And they got power. They got power that comes from the Lord. The Lord says, you know what? You knock him off her shoulder and that's, that's what they do. He gets ready to open his mouth. They'll say, peace be still. You don't get to talk. Only the Lord gets to talk. Speak up or do something or something in the service to disrupt the service. Don't let the message go out. That's what they don't want to happen because they understand that there is going to be freedom in that message. There's going to be freedom that's going to come in our lives. And these angels are around. More of them. More of them. What the devil has. A third of them fell. That means there's two-thirds left. Think about that for a minute. We don't sit here today at a place of defeat. And he was able to see these angels. He's getting ready to go meet his brother. It probably ain't going to go well. That's what he's thinking. He's done met the Lord, said the Lord's going to be his. He's going to hold on to him. He sends these messengers out to take these gifts. He's done seen that God's presence is there, but his old man came in and he said, I'm going to try to connive some things just in case God don't work. Have we ever done that? Got four doctor's appointments tomorrow and got this and that going on. I'm going to go to church and see if God will touch me. Oh, how I would love to see the days that the that the wheelchairs are hanging on the walls. 
I'm not saying that we don't go and see the doctors. I'm saying at what point is Jesus at the top of the rung of what we do? Amen? You don't understand what I'm talking about this morning. It's, I feel like I'm hitting a big wall here. He saw the presence of God and started making plans just in case. The old man was coming out to connive. The old man was coming out saying, I'm going to take care of it. You see, when we're going to take care of stuff, we a lot of times leave God out. We don't call upon Him. That's why we got a prayer line. That's why we pray. Do you actually pray when you get the prayer request? And God's been working. And He keeps working. You were supposed to be dead last year in July. What happened? You could have went to heaven. No. You wanted people praying and the church was praying. I don't know if everybody was praying, but I know some prayers got through. You're sitting in church this morning. Same thing for you, Miss Mayhew. That's what God does. He is answering prayers. Do we need to hang a picture of them on the wall? If we do, then we start worshiping that. We have to worship Jesus and Him alone. When we go to Him for prayer, we trust that He hears us. We trust that He's going to answer us. We trust in His will. That's what we have to hold on to. Amen. 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 No matter what, we trust Jesus. Hmm. In verse 7 it says that Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Why? You done said you're going to give a, a tenth of everything you have to this God. You're going to serve Him. You're going to worship Him. You're going to love Him. But you see, he put his eyes on the circumstances of his life. Don't we do that? This is to help us get to the place. Because when you start looking at circumstances before you know it, you start stepping back from God. And that's exactly what Satan wants to happen. And then before you know it, you walk out these doors and then you don't even come be with the fellowship of the brethren. And before you know it, trouble is at the door. Sin wants to come in. And that's what happens. He was looking at his circumstances. In verse 8, and he said, If Esau comes to, to the one to, to one company and attacks it, then the other company will be on the other side. What happened was is he split everybody up. He has these assets. You know, don't keep your money in one place. I'm going to tell you what, you can put it in a thousand different places. If that's what's coming between you and God, it'll disappear. He can't hide from it. But his old mind was going back to worldly ways, so he took some of his people and put over here, and he put some of them over here. He kept some assets. That way, if he saw a tax over here, at least half of He said, you know what? Half of something is better than nothing. That's exactly what he was saying. And we like to call that wisdom. There's no amen sitting on that one, and I understand that. It's, it's true. Here's the thing. You don't want to win that fight. Otherwise, Jesus is walking here. If you're content here, that's okay. If you don't want revival, you're not going to pray, then we've got no reason to complain about what's going on inside of our church, do we? We've got no reason to complain about what's going on inside of our homes, do we? We've got no reason to complain about what's going on inside of our lives as an individual. If you're content to be here, 
Circumstances are going to push you. Circumstances are going to do this. If we're going to think about it on our own, we're going to take care of it on our own. I told you all about a guy that I knew, and they owned several thousand acres, 17,000 acres. One boy had a mom and a daddy, and they had one boy, and he had a farm. And he had a wife, and he had no children. I told you all that story before, haven't I? He came off of a horse, broke his neck, and the day that he died, the only thing that he had left was the home he lived in and about the 15 or 20 feet of yard that he had around his house because the cows got the rest of it. His wife had passed away, and he had to pay for care. I'm going to tell you now, your riches of this world don't depend on them. Get three amens out of that. In a nation that's taught you, you're supposed to have everything. And we wonder why we don't see this. We wonder why we don't see this. We wonder why we don't have revival. We wonder why this is going on in my life. We wonder all these things, and it's all because there's a battle going on between the flesh and the spirit. And it is a battle that you do not want to win. God said he would start a work in us. Philippians 1 and 16, be confident in this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. If that means you've got to go down and start eating with the pigs because you've got nothing else left, that's where you're headed to. If that's how broken you've got to get to start leaning and trusting on the Lord Jesus, that's where he's going to let you go. He's going to make sure you get there because he said, I'm going to complete this work. I'm going to make this person like me. My spirit's going to show through them. My light is going to come out of them. And people are going to see and know, do you want to go eating with the pigs? I don't want to eat with no pigs. I like eating some pigs. But I don't want to eat what they eat right beside of them. That's what we've been studying in Sunday school about the prodigal son. So he's taking care of business by himself. And then look what he does here. Let's go to verse 9 of chapter 32 of Genesis. Then Jacob said, O God, my father, Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your family, and I will deal with you, deal well with you. I am not worthy of the, of, of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I have crossed over this journey with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother of, with the children. And f For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. He did everything he could to try to bribe his brothers, and all these cows and stuff. I didn't have time to read all that. It's about 32 verses in that or something like that. But you see what he was doing. Before he ever got to the place of prayer, he tried everything that he knew how to do, how his old conniving self knew how to do. He was trying to protect every his riches, some of it. I'll lose some, maybe some of it, but I'm not going to lose all of it. And then he resorts to prayer. Prayer, folks, is the most important time that we have. 
It's the most important service we have in the church. At 6 o'clock tonight, we're going to be praying. We're going to be praying for revival. We're going to be praying for what you write down and the needs that you have. We're going to be praying for all these things that we know. We're going to be calling upon God. That's what we're going to do. I want to ask you, will you join us tonight? Will you join us in prayer tonight? But we don't do Sunday night service. You see, prayer wasn't his first thought. His first thought was to do what he wanted to do. He went to his scheming ways. What about you? Is prayer the first place that you go? Oh, by the way, when you pray, you've got to pray with an open heart. See, you can't hear God if he don't say what you're wanting him to say, but he has something different to say. Is this making any sense this morning? We're living in the 21st century, folks. Jesus is coming back. And he's putting some stuff out here for us to look at ourselves. I'm looking at me, too. This is not just about you. This is about me, too. I'm the pastor of this place. I've been told to give you this message. I can tell right now it's going over like a lead balloon. But that's okay. Because that conversation I have with him on the day I check out of here or the day I meet him is going to go well, whether you like it or not. And I know that sounded a little brash, but it is what it is, right? So we give what God gives us to do, and I'm going to pray for him. You see, God has never stopped working on Jacob. He's been with him. He's been away for like 20 years. He's been away. Verse 22, and he arose at night and took his two wives and the two servants and his 11 sons and crossed over the ford of Jabok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent them over what he, and sent over what he had. And then Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. You see, God had to take him to a place of isolation. All of his stuff was gone. His woman was gone. Everything was gone, and he was in a place of isolation right by himself. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? You feel like you're walking alone. It could be, it could be, God takes you to this place of isolation. You see, the carnal man wants to stay busy. Friends, we got enough stuff going on in our world today. We can stay busy and stay away from church. We can stay busy and stay out of the Bible. We can stay busy and keep from praying. We got ball games to do. We got all kinds of things to do. We got work to do. This has got to be done. We can't even complain. We can't even be busy now about gardening because it's so wet. You reckon God maybe said, I don't want you planting a garden this year. I want you on your face before me. Huh? I don't know. I'm not God. But the carnal man will stay busy. And he'll stay busy about godly things. It looks like it's church work. It looks like it's this. But we have to be to the place that we get to isolation. That we're isolation and we're alone with God. You see the carnal man does not want to be alone with God. And, and God brought Jacob to this place of isolation that he might bring him to a place of confrontation. That's confrontation. God will confront us. How in the world did you get saved? Is everybody in here saved? The Bible I read says you're going to give him glory for salvation. 
I'm saved. I'm going to clap and I thank him for it. I'm going to raise my hands and shout, I'm saved. I know who Jesus is. But you want to know how I got saved? It was confrontation that happened. He brought me to a place right over there in that other building. And that's where confrontation happened at. And you know what? He's been confronting me ever since about things that are going on in my life and about things that he's trying to change about me. It didn't take away my salvation, but he's brought me to a place of confrontation. And he's saying, I want you to be holy just as I am holy. That's the testimony that the church will have. That's the light. That's how the light shines. It's not about us getting a pat on the back. It's about people knowing who Jesus is. I used to be this. Now I ain't. I used to be mean and talk to you bad real quick. But now I ain't. How did that happen? That happened by the work of the Holy Ghost in my life. That happened by the work of the Holy Ghost in your life. And he's still doing that. Sister Murphy, you're 85. He's still going to be doing that with you. You ain't done yet. He ain't done yet. But just who was he wrestling with? He was wrestling with Jesus Christ, folks. That's who he was wrestling with. And by the way, (laughs) the Lord's the one that initiated the fight. What? Jesus loves. He ain't going to do that kind of thing. He's the one that initiated the fight, folks. See, when we hear the word and the word comes inside of us and the word shines light into the darkness and we get confronted, let me ask you, who started the fight? Jesus did. He didn't wrestle just some other fellow. The Bible said, maybe an angel of the Lord. No, it was Jesus. And you know what? He's going to fight with us. He's going to wrestle with us. And it's a fight we don't want to win. Amen? I can't say that enough. You see, he knew what he was going to do in Jacob's life. He knew how he was going to change him. In verse 25, and when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. You see, Danny, come up here for a minute. We got just another minute to talk. Now, you're a pretty good-sized young man, and you're right strong, ain't you? Now, let's wrestle a little bit here. Now, can y'all see good? Don't don't wrestle yet. Everybody see? Let's go up here so everybody can see. Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. I'm older than you. You're bigger than me. <laughs> Can y'all see over there okay? All right. Now let's, let's come on, let's wrestle a little bit. Come on. Come on. Come on. What are we doing? What are we doing? What are you using the most of? Your legs. Stop. Thank you. Do you see the picture there? God touched him in his strength. We were wrestling. There wouldn't have been no wrestling match if my legs didn't work. There wouldn't have been no shoving match. I used to wrestle some in school. And even if you're down on the ground, you're using them legs a whole lot. Your legs stop working or you ain't in shape and that thing cramps up on you, the other guy's going to beat you. You use your legs. And God touched him in the place of his strength 
in order to deal with it. That's what happens. What's your strength? Is your strength that you're a good businessman? Maybe you got a little pride with that. People call you a lot because you understand business. Is that what you depend on? If it is, you may get attacked there, and it won't be the devil doing it. It'll be God. Is it your ability to do certain things? You do farming a little bit. Is your strength that you preach? Is it is the strength that he needs to hit you in? Is it your preaching, your, your thought of your ability to preach? If that ability gets in the way, God's going to attack it. You play music. And I'm not saying God's going to take these things from you, but anything that you're relying on for your strength, that's where he's going to touch. That's the hip joint that's going to go out of, out of, out of place. Sister Mary, you had anything replaced on you? What? Knee, hip. Let me ask you a question. When they woke you up and they were slapping around on your face and trying to get you to wake up so they could put you in a regular room, and even probably the next month after that, were you functioning quite well or did it take some time? Yeah. That first day, you, sh you, wouldn't, you wouldn't run it up and down the hall, was you? Because your hip was out of joint. They took it and fixed it and put it back together. You see, he's going to attack us in the place of our strength. If your music becomes everything that you're about, you can come up here and sing and we can follow you in singing, but there's not going to be blessing in that. Not saying he's going to take it away from you. You understand? You have a talent. But you've got to have Jesus at the center of it. He's got to be at all because otherwise he will attack it. Is this making any sense? Are y'all taking this in or are you rejecting? I need to know. Thank you. You see, Philippians tells us that we have no confidence in the flesh, Philippians 3.3. 3. Don't trust in what you can do or what you think you can do. That's what the world's doing today. But someday Jesus is coming back and they don't get to go. He said, few there will be that will find this place, many there will be that won't. That is a sobering thought, isn't it? Seven billion people in this world, over half of the people in this world profess to be followers of Jesus Christ. Somehow that number just doesn't add up to what the Bible says. Somebody ain't making it. Somebody ain't going to make it and they're thinking everything's okay. Why? Because they picked up the word and they never let the word do its job. They never let it come in. They never let it do anything. Most of us, we're told to be self-confident, right? What's a good scripture to combat that one? Philippians 4.13. Anybody want to quote it for me? A little bit louder. A little bit louder. One more time. It's Christ. 
I want you to look here in verse 26 of what was going on. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now we're getting down to the meat of it. I got a few more minutes yet, don't I? Now we're getting down to the meat of it. I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now that was the Lord saying, let me go. It's getting daylight. I want to ask you a question this morning. The God of all things, he's created everything we see or know. There would be nothing if it wasn't for him. Do you think he needed to ask permission to get away from the man? Friend, I'm going to tell you right now, he can get away at any time he wants. But he was saying, you better not be asking me to get away from you because I will. But Jacob said, I ain't letting go until you bless me. It had something to do with hunger. Remember I told you last week, God saw something in him he didn't see in Esau. He was hungry for God. He didn't have everything right. He was learning. He was growing. Look around you. These people are growing. By the way, they're going to mess up, and they might even hurt your feelings at some point. Be a big Jesus guy and have forgiveness in your heart and let them grow. Be a part of that nurturing process. Amen? That way there ain't no issues with us. Remember the road to Emmaus? You remember they walked with him, right? After the resurrection? Didn't realize they was with him? He's walking with them and they're getting ready to stop and go in the house and have supper. And he was going to do what? He was going to keep on going. But what happened? They compelled him to stick around with them. And he did. And he revealed himself to them. <laughs> he likes broken things, don't he? He broke bread so that uh, he could feed the 5,000. See, broken things is where the blessing comes. Do you understand that? What you're hearing this morning, it's the Holy Ghost trying to break us. You see, he can't use us unless we're broken. Otherwise, we're relying on our own strength. We're relying on our own knowledge. And he says, no, I don't need that. I want you relying on me. So whatever your strength is, he may have to knock it out of joint. Did you know that? That's who Jesus is. That's what happened in Jacob's life. I'm asking you this morning, do you want to know more of him? Do you want to know more about your Lord? Are you reading the Bible? Are you praying about the things you don't understand? Are you consulting with people when you run across something you don't get? Because the devil wants you to be at the place that you have too much pride to do that. I think it's in, it's, it's, it's in uh, Proverbs 16, I believe, that there's seven things that the Lord hates, but the one is an abomination, and it's a prideful look. Sometimes we sit in church a little bit haughty. Yeah, I've been saved for 35 years. I've read this book four times in 12 languages. I know what I'm talking about. God says, I hate that. Now, if God hates something, that ain't good. That can't be good if he hates it. He takes Jacob to a place where Jacob realizes that he has to depend on God. 
Jacob realized that. I ain't letting you go till you bless me. How many times have we prayed prayers? And I said to the Lord, I'm not letting you go till I get an answer. I'm not letting you go, Lord, till I get a blessing. It may not come in the form I want to see it, but I need to have a blessing. And you know the biggest blessing we'll have? When our hearts get right with the Lord. The stuff in this world, you die today, I don't care what you got, how much money you got sitting in the bank or how much you don't have, you're walking out of here with nothing. If you don't have Jesus, you got absolutely nothing. One more point. He asked him what his name was. And he said, Jacob. Do we remember what Jacob's name was? What it means? He's a cheat. He's a deceiver. The last time he was asked what his name was in Scripture, he lied. He said, I'm Esau. That man was changed. Because he had a moment and a time with God. You see that? And God did what? Gave him a new name. Israel. Which means he's been with God. Israel. I've got a new name. Do you got a new name? I've got a new name and I thank God for all that he's doing in my life and the places that he's taken me to. And when I get to the place, it goes on to say there that he blessed him after that. You see, the blessings don't come until you got a new name. He learned who he was two chapters ago, 20 years ago, when he laid his head on the pillow and he said, I'm going to remember this place. And for 20 years... God was working on him. Look around you today. You see any people that need some work? Come on, shake your head. You do. You do. Sometimes we'll talk amongst ourselves about the work that people need, don't we? <clears throat> Did I just say that? Y'all go ahead and say amen because it happens. We talk, <clears throat> we talk about the work that somebody else needs. So you can go ahead and agree with me. Look around you. There's some people that need some work. You need some work, sweetie. Eddie, I love you, brother, but you need some work. Brother Murphy, you've been preaching the gospel a long time, been a state overseer. You're a state overseer emeritus, which is a fancy word for retired state overseer. It means you get to talk at the convention because it's tradition. Am I right on that? You're right. That's exactly right. I love this man. He's poured a whole lot into me. Brother, he's got some more work to do on you. Amen? Trevor, you ain't done yet, buddy. You're a half-baked loaf of bread. He's got some work to do on you. Amen? You're sitting in here today, he's got some work to do on you, my friend. I'm still dough. You're still dough? <laughs> well, he likes to knead the dough, and that means the hand of God's on you if he's kneading the dough. When you get done getting dough, though, you got to go in the oven. Are you ready for that? That's what revival is going to take in our church, brothers and sisters. We've got to look at ourselves. Look around you. They're all broken. Look around you. Every one of them. They've got a fault. You don't need to point it out. The devil's already trying to do that. Now, you've got to pray. 
you got a fault, Brother David. I don't know what it is, but God does, and he wants to work on you. I'm going to come over here and pick on you this morning, brother. He's got something he's wanting to fix in you. I don't know what it is, but he does. He's got something he's fixing. He's got something he's fixing. Do you want to get fixed? Tim, he's wanting to fix you, buddy. I love you. He loves you. And I don't care what you are. Jesus loves you and I love you. That's all that matters. He wants to fix us. He wants to take us to another spot. Are you going to let him this morning? I don't want him knocking my strengths out because he can use those too. But they ain't mine. I don't depend on those. Do you? I want him to use these things and to make me who I, he wants me to be. He's got some fixing to do to us. Folks, revival's not happening in our church till we let the word come in and fix us in our hearts. You, you realize that we don't have to do all this on our own, right? Jesus, Jacob had these battle scars. He, he learned to lean on Jesus. It says in Hebrews that he was leaning on his staff whenever he blessed his sons. Why was he leaning on his staff? Because a long time ago he had an encounter with Jesus and he messed his hip up. He walked the rest of his life with this limp. He walked the rest of his life carrying a staff because Jesus said, I'm going to make you lean on me. I'm going to make you lean on me. I don't want to get to the place that he's got to make me lean on him. Do you? Because he says, I'm going to finish this work I started in you. You invited me into the house. I came to stay and I made a promise I will complete this work in your life. And he gives us this word. You see, we don't have we, we, we don't have to go through the junk. The Bible tells us that if we judge ourselves, we will not be judged. How do we judge ourselves? We look in the mirror holding the book. And the book's not to condemn us. The book is to rise us up out of the ashes. The book is to make us to where people can see what Jesus has done. I got a testimony. It ain't the prettiest in the world. I ain't proud of it. It is what it is. And God set me free. Do you have a testimony? He's still working. And even after you get saved, even after you start preaching, he's still working. And the testimony's got to go out. Somebody needs to hear it. He's still working. Stand to your feet this morning. Come sing. You see, if our heart is right, this word will break us. We don't have to go through difficult situations. Do you understand that? Well, I've been dealing with this for so long, I don't know why this is on me, poor old pitiful me. If the Word can come in, it will do the breaking. And it doesn't have to hurt. It only hurts when the flesh is hanging on. See, if we have a stubborn spirit, the Spirit of God will break us. What kind of battle scars do you got today, church? Let me ask you this question a little bit better. What battle scar do you need today?